This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to The Church Boys Freefall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys Podcast, and I'm excited to have Jerry Jenkins, a well-known author, on the line today. How you doing, Jerry? Doing great, Billy. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming out. We, t- we talked a while back. I think it's been a few years since I've last interviewed you, but you always have a lot going on, and I'm always fascinated to see what you're writing on and, and what your, your subject matter is. Obviously, um, one of your, your most famous books, and it's a series of books, the Left Behind series uh, that you wrote along with Tim LaHaye, uh, but you have a new book out, a novel, came out at the end of May. It's called The Valley of the Dry Bones. So <clears throat> just take me through, what's the, what's the premise of this book, if you had sort of an elevator pitch for potential readers? Yeah, this is uh, uh, set in California, 10 years into the future, and it takes the, the tack that the drought out there not only has not abated, but it has just, it's worsened. There's no, there's been no rain, um, so no water source in, in a sense. And I consulted some some uh, experts on this. My son used to work in Hollywood, and, and uh, so when we would visit, we'd, we'd go through some of these things where you had to, every other day you could water your lawn a little bit, or you might have water, you might not. And I said, what would it, what would it look like if, if 10 years went by and, and the drought had not abated? And they said, the state would be uninhabitable. It would be irreparable, and it would be condemned. And so that's really the basis of it is... is um, I have the federal government condemn California and, and virtually move almost all of its 39 million citizens out. And the, the airports are closed, the harbors are closed, everything's shut down. You, you can be in there at your own risk. You don't have any privileges as a citizen. And then my, my cast of characters are, call themselves the holdouts, and they have decided to stay by choice to minister to people who can't leave. So there's less than 1% of the population. Maybe they're indigents, maybe they're, you know, just people that are impoverished. Um, I've got a a Native American tribe that's there that that can't move. And so this little band of holdouts has to live underground, find their own source of water, (laughs) fuel and food and that type of thing. And and, uh, so that becomes the setting for, for the Valley of the Dry Bones. Wow. Okay. So now, obviously, there are parallels here um, between Ezekiel prophecies and Ezekiel, um, and then the, and then you know weaving those into this novel. Why did you choose California? Um, I think just because you know at the time I started writing it, the drought was still in, yeah. in uh, you know still going on, and and in many ways still is. I mean, it's it's abated a little bit, but. Um, I wanted it to be as realistic as possible, at least a possibility. I mean, I realized that, um, you know, a lot of novels have been set in these dystopian uh, <coughs> milieus, and they're they're hard to, um, you know, in my mind, I want it to be as realistic as possible. I want it to look like this really could happen. 
Um, and it could. I mean, if there was a drought out there that lasted 10 years, this is what it would look like. You, you wouldn't be able to live there. It's, fa- it's fascinating. And I guess, you know, the, this whole topic of end times is, has been something that's been very interesting to me in that I just actually wrote a book called The Armageddon Code, which is a recap of all the viewpoints on the end times that are out there in the Christian, in the Protestant world. And I talked with Tim LaHaye for that book and um, a number of others. And, and it's just, it's, it's really interesting to me how you in particular, and also Tim, um, have been able to find fascinating ways to tie in you know, biblical literature that so many people believe is, you know, prophecies that will happen or that are happening and weave that into fiction. Is that a challenge? Is that a hard thing to do as an author? On, on one hand, it is a challenge. On the other, it gives you a sort of a framework. I mean, once we took the tack with Left Behind that, you know, we're just, we're not going to try to be to be theological here. I mean, he, he obviously is a theologian. I'm not, but I happen to agree with his view. Um, we weren't going to try to do a treatise or convince anybody that our position was right or that our timing was right or whatever. We just assumed that this was going to be a pre-tribulation, pre-millennial rapture, therefore a surprise. It would just happen in the twinkling of an eye and, and people would be stunned. That make, one, For one thing, that makes for great fiction. And then, once you do that, if you follow the prophecies, you've got seven years and you've got 21 judgments that come from heaven over that time. And it gives you an outline. Now, you know, my job, I, I, I had to do, I did the writing and making up the stories and creating characters. So, um, my job was to put fictitious, but real life type characters in the way of these biblical events and see what it would look like. So we were basically saying, you know, here's, it's fiction, we're making it up, but if it happens the way we think it might happen someday, this is what it would look like. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. And the two of you, really, are you ever shocked and surprised by the monumental impact that that series had? I mean, really, when you talk about the end times today and you look to pop culture or you look to, I guess, entertainment and literature, Left Behind comes up all the time, as do other books that you have worked on. Is that shocking to you as an author? It, it really is. I mean, we never expected it to sell like it did. You know, you, you think if you have a book that does six figures, that's an incredible success, and it is. At, at its peak, the Left Behind series was number one on Amazon before the, the book would come out, and the uh, the number one book was averaging 275,000 sales a month during, you know, when each time a new one would come out, this thing would just keep rolling along. And, you know, it's been, um, this fall, it'll be 21 years since the first book came out, and that series is still selling in the six figures, the, you know, the total series, uh, every year. It still keeps, it just keeps going. I mean, even the and, first book on Amazon, I was looking today just because I was curious, is still ranked really pretty high. I mean, it's higher than a lot of new books that are out in the last month, including my own, uh, which makes me laugh. You know, it's like, oh, wow. You know, and books fluctuate a lot, but a book like that, that's staying steady at at a high number is really fascinating to me. Um, So you've chosen to not always stay in that genre, though. I mean, you've jumped around. um, You've done some, you've written on a lot of other topics as well. Is there something about it that particularly captivates you? You know, when, when I think through the Valley of the Dry Bones, you're sort of returning to that in an interesting, different way again. So I guess what about this topic of the end times and eschatology interests you? Well, I can remember as a young teenager being raised in this in this tradition where the, the premillennial, pre-tribulational rapture was taught, 
it was this idea, and of course, I'm a child of the 60s, so, um, I mean, I was born in 49, but, you know, as a child in, in the 60s, um, we did the, the school things where you, you know, had um, bomb drills and things like that, and and basically scared us to death that they were going to be attacked and bombed. And and then what, what was preached about in church was that someday the rapture will come, Jesus appears in the sky, true believers disappear. And and so, you know, that's a fascinating story. And so you you search the scriptures and say, is it possible? Is it real? Is this, you know, are they just making this up? And uh, I came to believe it and, and to, you know, follow that, uh, that kind of teaching. And then when I met Dr. LaHaye, and he wanted me to write novels that fit his view. I remember that I used to tell these stories like when I was a camp counselor as a teenager, tell them to young boys and say, imagine if the rapture happened during the rush hour, people would disappear out of their cars, there'd be crashes. Here then I get to, to write about it. Um, now, it wasn't something that, that necessarily got me up in the morning. I have other passions. I love baseball. I read a lot of baseball books. I, I write uh, family and marriage books and things like that. Um, and and this one, the Valley of the Dry Bones, isn't necessarily about the end times, but it's futuristic and it's dystopian, and so it, it looks like it could be a signal of you know something bad coming, and what does this mean? So, I think really my my interest is in uh, furthering the conversation. I want people to be thinking about these things, and not just taking our word for it. One of the criticisms we got was people would say, well. The people are just buying your view of the end times and and not reading their Bibles, not going to church, whatever. And, and we would always say, that's not our point. We want people to to wonder and challenge and, and converse and argue about this and be interested and say, you know, if there's any possibility that it's true, we should check it out. And read the Bible for yourself, go to church, you know, study it, and come to your own conclusions. Why do you why do you think there is and I find it fascinating this was the subject of my book just the debate about the end times why do you think Protestants in particular are so divided on the end times I mean it's it's really the most it seems to be the most contentious one of them issues in the under the Christian umbrella Yeah I don't know why that is and it's funny because when we first brought out the you know the first left behind book Dr. LaHaye was known as a, a prophetic type you know preacher uh, I was just known as a, an evangelical writer and novelist. And the book, you know, started out fairly quickly, and it did maybe eighty, ninety thousand 90,000 the first year, which is great. But when it really took off, I think it was about the fourth book when those, the, the phenomenon happened, and it started uh, selling, you know, in the hundreds of thousands before it was released, it was pre-orders were like that. Um, all of a sudden, because it was successful, people started to pick it apart and say, well, this isn't even this. This is heresy. This isn't even the right view of scripture. And this is, you know, well, we know there are plenty of views, and and other people that we admire and respect that, that take a different view. And uh, I always say, I would always say, well, this is not something we're going to separate from fellowship over. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, we all agree that Jesus said he was coming back, so let's get that on the table. And uh, I think if it was supposed to be crystal clear, and we were supposed to know exactly that it would have been really clear in the, in the Bible. And, of course, some people on both sides of the issue, and I think Dr. LaHaye is one, he, he thinks it is clear. He'll say, you know, all these scriptures prove that, that you know, my position is right, but there are just as many people, I've gone to church with seminarians who are brilliant, who say, well, I just, you know, I see it this other way. Um, but it is a, it is a fascinating uh, topic of conversation for people, and they want to argue about every jot and tittle of, 
you know, timing and when and how. And, and uh, you know, to me, uh, as I say, I, I do agree with Dr. LaHaye's view, but I wouldn't fall on my sword over it. I mean, to me, the idea is you're not going to either become a believer or not based on what you think is going to happen at the rapture. You either believe or you don't And and uh, in Christ. And uh, and I want people to, to uh, you know, study for themselves and come to their own conclusion. And then you get people from other faiths and other religions, and they say, well, are you implying that, that we're left out? And I say, well, as a matter of fact, it does imply that, because Jesus said he was the only way to God. Right. And right. that doesn't mean I... You know, I didn't say it. I mean, I you know, I, I'm not trying to, to back away from it, but it doesn't mean I love you less or think you're inferior or hate you or have any. You know, it's just if I really believe this, if, if you and your religion believe that you have the only way, I would expect you to try to convince me of that. Why not? If you care about me, you know. So I, I hope it's a, it, it leads to open dialogue. Well, that's great. And the last thing I wanted to ask you about is you have this um, really interesting initiative, the Jerry Jenkins Writers Guild. Um, tell me a little bit about that, and how can people get more information? Yeah, a year ago, January, I, I started an online writer's guild where I teach writers, and I have uh, interviews with experts in the publishing world. I do editing on screen where people can see why I make changes, and I tell them why. I have office hours where where subscribers can call and ask me any writing question they want. I had hoped to get a couple hundred students and you know, charge them a modest fee, you know, a little bit over a dollar a day, something like that, for a subscription. And I was hoping, yeah, like I say, for a couple hundred people, and we got over 1,500. And so I'm busier than I've ever been, but I'm having a ball. I'm, I'm writing blogs and teaching the writing and, and have all kinds of features for people. And we only open the subscription uh, window for about 10 days every several months, and there's one coming up in September. But people can read all the free stuff just at jerryjenkins.com. I've got blogs and all kinds of fun things for people who want to see if they're uh, cut out to be a writer. Well, I love it, and I will make sure that we link out to that, and I would love to have you back again soon. I always appreciate talking with you. I'd love to. Thanks so much. founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com.